Welcome back to A Church in the City, a podcast by Downtown Christian Church. We're continuing our series, A Church in the City, with a message from Jamie Grinwis titled, A Beacon of Hope. Let's listen in. Good morning. It's been eight years I found out today. How awesome is that, you guys? I seriously, like, sorry I got a little emotion there. I was just kind of looking around. I'm like, I can't imagine life without you guys. And I literally, like, feel like I I can legitimately say that. Like, I, I feel like, you know, I've attended church fellowships before to where, you know, we could easily live life without each other because we pretty much did, you know? And I just, it's not like that. I mean, when people leave, when people are missing, when people are absent, whatever, like, it's different, you know? So anyway, thank you. Thank you. I mean, to me, eight years celebrates this family. It doesn't celebrate me or Kevin or, you know, anyone else. It celebrates what, what just God just started bringing together. It was nothing we thought. It was nothing we dreamed. Nothing we, we could never have put this together. So it's exciting. Um, so I want to do you a favor today. Who needs a favor? Anybody? You need one? So... Um, here's my favorite for you. Uh, if you have felt like hopeless, today, today we're talking about being a beacon hope. We've been talking about a series, um, just kind of, I guess the way I've been thinking about it is being a church in action, right? A church that's no longer just coming to get and to take, or, and I'm not saying we were, I'm just saying we're talking about being a church who doesn't do that. A church who's in action, who's making a difference everywhere they go. That's what we've been talking about. What does that look like? Why do we do that? All of those types of things we've been unpacking. And, and this week, um, we want to talk about being a beacon of hope. And um, if you came in feeling hopeless and, and frustrated about life, I'm going to do you a favor let me tell you what it is. Either by the time you leave, you're going to be upset with me, so you'll have something else to think about, and you won't have to think about feeling hopeless anymore, or hopefully the, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you and guide you in the same things that he's taken me through the last few weeks, and you're going to feel a renewed sense of hope. Either one, I feel like I still did you a solid. So we'll just go with that. Um, so, you know, as per usual, right, these things get scheduled for us in life, and we find ourselves in the midst of this amazing miracle of getting to learn our life lessons as we're walking them out. So this is what happened to me. Um, I don't believe that God is someone who's like, oh, Jamie's going to teach on hope, so I'm going to send her into this place of feeling hopeless, so that way I can teach her something that she can share. It was more, I think it was more like the father was like, oh, okay. I see this thing coming in my daughter's life, and let's set it up so that way some other people can maybe be encouraged and inspired through it. Um, so a few weeks ago, we were hanging out. Kevin and I were hanging out with some friends of ours and just kind of ended up having, you know, discussions, and you know how these things kind of happen, right? This comes up, that comes up. The next thing you know, you find yourself on this discussion, leads to an argument with your spouse. I know that's never happened to any of you. I'm just talking about maybe something that may have happened to Kevin and I, maybe. Um, and all of a sudden, like, you know, life spirals, right? I'm not, I, that's the kind of person I am. I'm usually either steadfast or out of control. There's no in-between for me. <laughs> My parents could probably just go, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I, you know, 
it was one of those things to where I just spiraled and I just felt hopeless and I felt defeated and I felt frustrated and I just started like complaining and talking to the Lord and just saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. I felt like I was on this journey. I felt like I was walking around the mountain and now all of a sudden I'm on the other side and here's all the same garbage that was here when I left. And I thought I was like over all of this stuff. I thought I had grown. I thought I had moved on in life. I thought these things were no longer a part of my life and here's all these patterns that I'm right back in and here's all this garbage. It's just worthless. I just don't care anymore. I mean, it's just kind of how, how I felt. Like, I don't want to believe in, this, in these areas in my life anymore because what's the point? I'm just going to f- keep walking around the same mountain and I'm, I'm just not going to get anywhere. So I was like, God, I, I don't want to forget it. Just forget it. This little thing, these few things that I'm believing for in my life, for myself, there are things about me. I'm just, I'm just going to accept that this is the way my life is. This is who I am. Um, these, are the, this, these are the thought patterns I struggle with. This is the anxiety and depression that I own. You know, all of these types of things. I'm just, just being honest. It's just where I was, you know. And so fortunately, you know, one of the things that I am very good at is that when I struggle, I, I do go before the Lord. A lot of times I say things that I probably wouldn't say in front of anyone else, um, and so a lot of times on the other end of that, there's a lot of repentance for how I, how I talked to him and how I behaved. But I at least feel like it's a pretty good quality that that's where I end up. And, and typically once I'm done on my, on my bender of emotion and complaining and just like spiraling, I find myself to where I finally learn how to stop talking and allow him to comment. And there were many days during this journey to where I was complaining and, you know, doing all of these things and not, and then I would just, you know, go about my business and never really gave room for the Holy Spirit, never really gave room for the Lord to kind of speak into those things. So, you know, then you kind of start tacking on like everyday life, right? So you have these things that you gave up on, your dreams, your hopes, you know, whatever the thing may be. And, and I know some of you can relate. So I gave up on those things and now everyday life is also happening, so now I have no vision in front of me, no hope, because I've abandoned them, and now everyday life is happening, and I'm overwhelmed, and I'm in my own strength, and so I'm like, now I just don't want to do those things either. I just want to quit my job. I just want to quit, you know, all of the things that, that I'm responsible for, because what's the point? I, what am I hoping for? What's the point, you know? I'm sorry if this is too much transparency for anybody. It's just real life for me. You know, I'm not, I'm not flawless at these things. So, so I said, I literally said, God, what happened? What happened to all my progress? What happened? We were doing so good. I was dreaming again. And if anyone knows me, like dreaming is like the, the byproduct of when Jamie's doing well. Is when she's coming up with ideas that no human could ever accomplish. Jamie is like in her lane. She's in her sweet spot. But instead I'm like, I don't even know how to get through the day. You know, my boss is coming to me with normal everyday problems. He's like, what do you think about this? I'm like, I don't know. Just give, tell the customer we can't do it. And he's like, what? No? And I'm like, no, we can't. We can't do it. Just, just give it back. Give the business back. Somebody else will do it. They know how to do it. We can't do it. You know, just, I'm just telling you guys, this is just the truth. So I literally, I literally this last Tuesday had that day to where it was like, came in the door, 
thought you had finally overcame problems from a, you know, a customer, just kidding, everything's still like not going well, and then all of these other relational things are happening, and you know, all this stuff's like culminating, and I'm just like, I'm going to lunch. I'm going to lunch, see you guys, I'm going to lunch. <laughs> drove, down to the, drove down to the grocery store and just sat in the parking lot and just cried, and I just said, God, what do I do? What do I do, what do I do? I, 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 I'm not a quitter. I'm a lot of things. I spiral. I identify with my anxiety instead of identifying with my nature that you have given me from the foundation of time. I identify with who I say I am instead of who you are. I know I do all these things, but one thing I am not is I'm not a quitter. It's not me. It's not what I do. It's not who I am. So what are we going to do? You're going to you're gonna have to do something because I can't do this. And this is the part where some of you aren't going to like me anymore. So he literally said to me, I said, God, it's, it's hopeless. I'm hopeless. I'm, I'm never going to overcome. This is as good as it gets. And he said to me, he said, daughter, are you hopeless or are you complacent? And I was like, dang, that was rude. Um, <laughs> you know? And, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, he said to me, and I had to write these down. He said, he said, Jamie, perhaps you're not boxed in. Perhaps you're not washed up. Perhaps you're not done with. Perhaps you haven't hit that cap. I think it was Jonathan that was talking about that cap. Like, I felt that way for the last, you know, few months. Like, you know, I would, I would grow up a little bit and then bam, and then right back down. And then, you know, it's like this thing is like, hold me down. And the father was like, perhaps that's not the thing. Perhaps, Jamie, you have become lukewarm. Perhaps you have forgotten your first love. Not that I forgot Jesus, guys. Obviously, I'm before him. That's what's going on. But I stopped that, that love. I stopped that adoration. I forgot that he's my hope, not these things. I forgot where I came from when I first came to the, to the Lord and I was full of hope and joy and there was no limit to anything in life. I left all of that. I abandoned all of that for things that I understood with my mind because I started walking along and started moving forward in life and started getting down the road and, and thought, I, thought I got stuff, thought I had it figured out and, and had, had kind of just walked away and deviated from my hope, which is in him, my hope, which is in, you know, e eternity. It's, it's, you know... Scripture talks about that. It's set aside. It can't be tarnished by me. It can't be tainted. It can't be stolen. That's what my hope's in. But instead, I make it in these, like, earthly, natural things because they're tangible, because they're here. The Father just kind of took me back through that whole, like, Scripture in Revelation 2, you know, where he talks to the church. And he's actually telling them, like, hey, you guys are doing a great job. You haven't quit. You haven't given up. You've been loving people. You've been doing all of these things. But in the midst of doing all of that stuff, like it, what I feel like he was saying is the you and I thing has kind of gotten pushed to the side. And I think anyone who's married could probably attest to that's an easy thing that happens in marriage too, right? We start just kind of trucking along and we start, you know, taking care of our kids or, you know, trying to do this with our house or whatever it may be. And we kind of like drift apart and we kind of stopped, we stopped cultivating into that. We stopped pressing into it. We stop. we forget where, it, what the foundation is, what the core is. And that's what, that's what the father brought me back to is Jesus is your hope, Jamie. 
Jesus, this is, you know, your hope needs to be in me. And so he just kind of started talking to me about that. What are you believing for? Is it in me? Is this, are these things that are in me? And if they haven't come to pass, did I tell you they're not going to? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I honestly couldn't say that. I honestly couldn't say because I realized it had been such a time that I stopped talking to him about these things that I was struggling with that I wasn't even sure, you know, where, where it all began. So I kind of just went back to that place and was like, okay, Lord, I just want to be with you. Forget all of this stuff. Forget all these things going on. I don't care if anything else gets accomplished. I don't care if I have any more growth in my life. I just want, I just want to come back to this place and remember and remember. And so I, I started getting back into, into the word and just started spending time, specifically like Romans is a big book for me. It's, it's just such a book just full of foundational love and meat and just, and just you know, the foundation of the church and just God's love and his goodness and, and all that he's done for us. And I just kind of started going through there and just over and over, you know, scriptures are pointing to this hope that does not disappoint. And the Lord's like, Jamie, you're disappointed in yourself. So that's usually where my issues lie. I don't usually get disappointed in other people. I I do find myself to be someone who has a lot of grace for a lot of people. Um, You know, I I might be emotive about it, but I do, as far as like other people, I do have a lot of long suffering, but for myself, I don't. You know, my expectations are up here. If I can't do something perfectly, I'm just not going to do it because what's, you know, I have to be all in. I have to, I have to do it flawlessly. And, and so I kind of just, I kind of just, as I was going through Romans with the Holy Spirit and just kind of talking, like just saying, okay, I want to be this beacon of hope, but I can't be a beacon of hope if I don't have hope. And so I've got to have something in order to give it out. And I'm seeing people all around me feeling hopeless feeling full of despair, feeling frustrated, feeling all these things, Lord, and my heart cries out for them, but I don't have anything to give because I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same place. I feel the same way. So either we're all going to need to accept it and just go home and be done with it, or there's more. And so I just said, God, what is that? So he kind of started taking me through Romans, and um, I didn't... Uh, I think it's somewhere in Romans, Romans 2 or Romans 5. It's somewhere in between there. He starts talking about that uh, we exalt in our tribulations. And I thought to myself, man, a lot of us, I think, myself included, quit there. Like the tribulation comes and I'm like, no, I'm good. This is obviously not of God. (laughs) You know, there's some struggle here. So obviously God's not in it. And I don't know where any of us picked up that mentality because it's not in the word and it's not in church history and it's not in the life of anyone we know that that we admire as far as their walk or their journey in any aspect of life. You know, you look at, you look at even in the world, if there's people that are successful that maybe you admire their, their business or whatever else, they will sit and unpack for you stories of tribulations that they had to go through. These things don't just happen. They don't just come. But somehow we got this mindset. I got this mindset. Maybe it's just me. That if I just like pour a little Jesus on my situation, then all of a sudden everything's easy. And there's no involvement by me, right? Because of the fact that I know my salvation is in him. It's not through my works. has nothing to do with me. But then when it came to the partnership part, I kind of just went, well, I'll just keep, I'll just keep telling him to do stuff. You know, I'll keep just trying to, to get him to do things and I'll wait on him. That was my definition of waiting on the Lord. 
And God's been redefining my definition of waiting on the Lord. And now it's sitting in his presence and saying, Father, what do you say about this situation? What do you have to do? That's my waiting. It's, it's a waiting that's being marinated and being stirred and being put together. And, and so then I thought, okay, well, even if some of us get through the tribulation part, then the next part that Romans talks about is that knowing, so it says that we exult in our tribulations knowing that it will bring about perseverance. So first of all, once you get through the thing, now you also have to persevere, which I think is also rude, but it's just the way it is. I didn't write it. I'm just telling you what it is. So once we accept that we're in the middle of a trial, we also have to be willing to keep showing up. Guys, too many people quit too close to the prize, and they're all around you. They're all around you. And I, I want to quit a lot of days. I do. It's just truth. I just want to. But he's saying tribulations bring about perseverance. Perseverance then, it doesn't say brings the prize. It says brings proven character. So what does that do? That turns you into a beacon. Because the people in your life see proven character and they say, dang, um, there's something there I want. <laughs> You're a bad influence. <clears throat> and then it says proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. I know that voice because I have him read the Bible to me too. Um, it, but anyway, so proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. So what is our hope? Our hope is in him. You know, he's our anchor. He's the one who does not move. He's the one who came and said, I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. I've been dreaming of you since the day you were born. These are the things. He looks at you with adoration and admiration, and we continue to go, you've abandoned me. And he's like, no, that's the first promise I gave to you. I mean, that was the thing the Lord took me back to, right? That was my point of salvation. That was the most beautiful thing I found in Jesus is when he said, Jamie, I won't leave you. Because so many people had quit on me in my life. So many. So many people walked out. So many. And they still will. And people will, right? Guys, this is just reality. That's just life. People, we're all going through stuff. We're all experiencing things. But the Father never left me. And he's calling me to be someone who when I hit tribulations, I choose to persevere. I allow it to develop character. And I fix myself on the hope, which is Jesus. So that way when I'm a beacon floating out in the water in the darkness and somebody comes by with their ship and are lost, they're like, there's someone who can help me. I don't want help from someone who every time they run into a problem, they go face down and they run the other way. That's not someone I'm going to cling to for help when I'm struggling. Amen. And that's not what God's called the body of Christ to be. Amen. You know, all through time, you look at, like, you look at the, the children of Israel, right? Everywhere across the globe, people knew they were the people of God. There was never a question about it. They knew who they were. And most of them feared to take them on because they knew that they were also taking on God. And they didn't know what that was, but it scared them. Yet we, we get stuck in these places and, we, and we, we forget these stories. We forget the history. We forget the fact that while they were in captivity, they prayed for their captors. And it says that they flourished in captivity. How is that a thing? How is that a thing? You can't do that. But they said, here's our tribulation. 
We're going to choose to persevere. We're going to still be the children of God because our identity has not changed, just our location has. And we're going to continue to prosper because that was his promise and our hope is in him. Not in where we are, not in how much cattle we have. And it says they prospered. And it also says that their captives prospered. We also don't like that part. And then you get, into the, you get into the New Testament, right? The church, the people who are writing these things, saying, saying your tribulations go to perseverance. These are people that their friends were being murdered in the city streets. I haven't experienced that in my life. I haven't. I mean, I've done a lot of international travel. We've, you know, we've got friends that have been, you know, prisoned for, you know, being believers, all of these types of things. Yeah, so some of that has maybe touched on my life, but I'm saying these are not people who wrote these, who penned these things just because they were having some little minor inconveniences in their life and they wanted their credit card debt taken care of overnight. And I'm not trying to belittle those things because they are burdens and they are bondage, and I believe that God wants to bring us free from them, but I'm saying these are people who could relate to any struggle you have and many more, and they still said, our hope is fixed in Jesus. My anchor, I will, not, I will not bend, I will not wave, I will not. And people came by the thousands, and it would say that there were thousands added to the church. This is not about numbers. I'm not trying to add thousands to DCC. I'm talking about the fact that you are plopped right in the middle of a dark and dying world right now that is scared, that is afraid, that doesn't know what to do, that has given up hope, has no dreams, has no future. We have a government that's constantly in turmoil, is leading us in nothing but strife and dissension, and we as the church are kind of going like, we don't know what to do. Really? What do you mean we don't know what to do? We know what to do. We know what to do. We know how to be a beacon of hope. We know how to be a beacon of light. We know how to be the thing that shines in the midst of the darkness. We don't have to shine. He shines through us. We just have to stay connected. We just have to be willing. We have to keep showing up. We have to keep showing up, being willing to show up time and time and time again. I love this uh, quote. I think about it all the time. Um, Just to always do our disclaimers. I do not uh, support all of the things that Teddy Roosevelt said in all of his life. However, I do like this one. It says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But but who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself on a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails at least fails while daring greatly so that his place will never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. I'm not going to be somebody who, who just isn't willing to show up. Um, first Peter, so, that was, so I went through Romans with the Lord, and, and again, you guys can see he encouraged me, he lifted my head, he reminded me of where my hope was, where my help came from, what I was believing for, what I was actually believing for at the core of my being. And the Holy Spirit reminded me that he was a great gift to me. And I'm going to talk about that a lot next week, so if the Holy Spirit makes you uncomfortable, probably just should stay home. But 
he, I mean, Jesus literally said, I am sending one to you. This was his plan. This was, this was the gift. This was like winner, winner, chicken dinner, okay? He said, I'm going to leave so that way you have something, someone with you. And the Holy Spirit is moving and he's working and he's the one encouraging you. I mean, I was literally driving in this morning and I'm like, God, I, I feel so scattered. I have not had but maybe 20 minutes at a time to put things together. And, and literally the Holy Spirit just stopped me and said, be careful where you partner your words. Because I was about to go to this place of saying, I feel unprepared. I can't do the thing. I don't know how to blah, blah. You know, all of these times things. And I was like, but I know you are moving in our midst this morning. I know it is your words touching the hearts. I know it is your spirit moving through. And it really honestly matters very little what I say, just that I show up and I say yes. And he will take the words and they will, I will just ride on those wings and he will touch you in that place. Because it's his work, it's his job. I'm just here to say yes. And that's what we need to be doing is saying yes. And being in those places of saying yes. Somebody was sharing with me this morning that, you know, a couple weeks ago when we had the... the um, the breakthrough service that we did with worship and, and a lot of those kinds of things, they were just saying, you know, I since that night, I have heard God's voice so much better. I literally walk into situations and just hear God speaking. And this person was like, but you know what I realized? It's not because he started speaking to me more. It's because of the fact that I was in this beautiful position to where I'm ready to say yes and to be a part of that, to be a part of that hope because that's what he's trying to do. He's speaking through you to bring hope. Think through that. Think through your encounters with the Lord. They came through human hands, most of us. And maybe they didn't start that. Maybe you've had some radical God encounters. I know a lot of people have. Most of the time when he speaks to me, it's through people. I want to be one of those people that shows up and is willing to say the thing when somebody feels alone and dying and dark and scared. I want to be that person because if I don't do it, maybe no one will, you know? Um, so I was reading through 1 Peter. And why am I, the reason why I'm bringing up all these scriptures is because maybe you don't know where to turn. Like, listen, I encourage you, go to Romans. Go to First and Second Peter. There is stuff in there. If you don't know where to go, if you feel like, man, it's been so long since I even got in the word, start there. These are great things. You can't go wrong with this. And this was, this, was the, um, this was the thing that I think finally snapped me out of it. It's 1 Peter 1.13. He says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep, a sober, keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And he goes on uh, in a couple of verses and says, you should be holy as I am holy. Now that's not talking about a holiness because you dot all the, you know, check all the right boxes and do all the right things. And, you know, you read your Bible so many minutes a day or whatever. This is him saying, you shall be holy because I'm holy. What he's saying is you'll be set apart. You're set apart. You are set apart. You are consecrated. You are, you are holy. And in that holy He's able to move, and he's saying, prepare your mind for action, because that's my job. That's the part I do. I prepare my mind for action when I feel like I'm wavering, when I feel like I'm all over the place. And guys, it's not a natural thing. It doesn't feel natural. 
It doesn't feel natural when my flesh is trying to take control and it's trying to get to this place of hopelessness and defeat and joining the world in their song and dance of, of this is as good as it gets, Mary, you know, skip our way to hell. The, natural, the thing that does not feel natural is for me to start proclaiming the goodness of God. That does not feel natural because my flesh is trying to push itself forward. But as I open my mouth and partner my words with the spirit, it becomes natural like that because he went, because he takes the lead and the flesh will always follow behind the spirit. He takes the lead and I partner my words with him. And, and if I don't have good things to say about myself, because maybe I'm in this place of wallowing in self-pity, I just start proclaiming the goodness of God how good he is, how faithful he is, how strong he is. I feel like these are practices that are lost in the church. We're constantly relating the Father and who he is to what I need and what I want and how I want to see things. And that's backward. It's backward. He is good. He is merciful. He is true. He is holy. He is pure. He is loving. He is just. He is long-suffering. He never fails. He never fails. He never quits showing up. He never quits on us. He is good. He is faithful. Even if all of us had become 100% lukewarm and we're ready to just give up, he's like, that's fine. I'll still breathe new life on you and I'll bring you back to life and I'll place you downtown and I'll call you a city on a hill and we will change this city and we will change this nation and it will come out of Grand Rapids, Michigan and people will never have heard of us and now they've heard of us all across the globe because we showed up and we said yes. Um, a few years ago, and I know some of you have heard this, so um, you know you can just get out a book and read it, <clears throat> Mom. Um, so, uh, so a few years ago, God gave me a vision. Actually, I say a few years ago. I don't know, babe. Maybe it was. Um, it's a joke. I'll tell you later. It's fine. You're okay. Um, maybe it was when we were we were still meeting at Life International. Um, but God gave me this, this, this vision when we were doing a prayer and worship service. And, and in the vision, I was standing on a pallet, which is funny because I don't even think Kevin was working with, with AMS at the time. But I was standing on this pallet, and it was on the, the edge of the shore. And it was, it was getting dark out. And, you know, God was like, hey, you know, let's take a journey out into the water on this pallet. And I'm like, eh. All right. I mean, that seems like a strange flotation device, but I'll, 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 I'll get jiggy with it. So, you know, I set out and I'm kind of coasting and the sun's, huh? Two weeks in a row? I got jiggy with it? What are you saying? Never mind. Um, <clears throat> so, so I set out on this pallet and it's starting to get dark and um, all of a sudden the pallet catches on fire which is a strange thing to happen like when you're out in the middle of the water, but I'm just telling you what happened in, in the dream. I don't make these things. And I was like freaking out because this is like, this was like my, my source, right? I'm out on the water. Like you can't take the very thing that I'm like out on the water in, you know? And I just kind of started panicking and, and in the dream and the, the palate burned up and then that's when the Lord showed me that I could walk on the water. And... It was amazing, and, and so there was a group of us at the time that were meeting that were part of DCC, and we were just out walking on the water. There was just a few of us, and it was dark, and the moon was the thing lighting. I mean, I can still see it like it was, like it was today. The moon's lighting the water, and as we're walking along, we're seeing all of these little mini shipwrecks to where people are hanging on to their, you know, boards, because that's what they have left. And they're just trying to stay afloat. 
and whatever caused the damage, whatever did the thing, you know, they've, they've come to peace with it, but this is as good as it gets, so I can't let go of this little plank. Or they'll be trying to rebuild, you know, out of their scraps a little enough, you know, a teeny tiny ship so that way the whole family can be together or whatever the deal may be. And, and God was just showing me as we were walking that all we had to do was just reach down and show people it was possible. And we were pulling them up to the surface. And they were able to leave behind the devastation and the destruction of what felt like their past and walk into a new revelation of their dreams and their hopes and all the things that God had for them. And as they joined us, they pulled people up and just pulled people up. And I believe that that's what we're called to do as a church. And I believe that God has has taken us through the journey that he's taken us through in these last few months. And I believe that he has continued to shore up our foundation. And I believe that right now he's calling us to be a church of action. And he's saying, he's saying, DCC, do not be hopeless. You are not hopeless. Your hope is in me and I have not changed. And he's saying, return to that, return to that and go be that beacon across the, the globe. Be the thing that's different. Don't bow to other people, be the thing that makes a difference because you're different, because of who you are. And just go and, and we have the ability to pull people up. He is not lacking, he is not behind, he's not forgotten you. He knows the things that are inside of you and he put them there. And if they're not completed, if it's not good, he's not done. So allow him to do his work in you, allow the Holy Spirit to move, allow him to speak to you, allow him to lift up your head. Let's be, a, let's be a church that, that makes a difference instead of just a church who just gets together to make each other feel good for an hour and a half because, dude, I'd rather sleep in. I'm tired. But I think we can be the change that, that, that the world is waiting for. Amen? If you'd like to learn more about DCC, join a small group, or give to support us, you can find us at achurchinthecity.org. Also, follow us on Instagram at Downtown Christian Church for Sunday morning set lists, news from DCC, and more. Thanks for listening.